Well, welcome once again. My name is Alan Corbishley, and I am the Artistic Director of Sound the Alarm Music Theatre and the Creative Director of this digital series, Theatre for the Ears, where we sound alarms on various social issues through our fictional audio dramas and through conversations such as this that help us contextualize the episodes in real-life conversation. So today I'm honored to be joined by four guests. Uh, first is Starman himself, uh, Kayvon Koshkam. How you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me here. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And as well as the black hole itself, Victor <laughs> Dolhai. How are you doing? Hi, thanks for having me. <laughs> and the director of the episode, Brent Hirose. Hello. Hello. So nice to be here. Yeah. And last but certainly not least, registered counselor Matt McLean. Good to see you. Thanks, Alan. Thanks for having me, guys. It's great to have you. So today's episode is being hosted online. So hope you'll forgive the varying sound quality. But regardless, let's get into it. Uh, today, we are looking at Starman through a male lens and exploring some of the pressures men are experiencing in today's tense and, well, political and social climate. So, Matt, let's start with you. As a counsellor, you know, what were your reactions to Starman, first of all? And are your clients actually feeling this pressure of, you know, being male or... I want to say I, I enjoyed listening to the podcast. Um, I'm a little slow on the uptake, and it took me as I listened to it. Okay, this is what this is about, and uh, was really I really appreciated how it was done and and how the message was, well, at least for me, how it was how it was delivered. Um, and it did make me think of of men that um, come to see me. It kind of in that demographic, you know, Daryl uh, Starman, 43 years old. Uh, I think. I was trying to think about it over the last year, maybe the last couple of years, I'm seeing more men who I don't think would have accessed counseling before. And um, I think a lot, a lot of it or a good chunk of it has to do with things are, how things are changing. And so it's uh, traditional ways of communicating, traditional ways of engaging have shifted and um, it's manifested in some levels of anxiety. Um, I got guys in that demographic, anger management, and then, you know, I think it'd be fair to say even um, depression. Does anyone else want to expand on that about these pressures of of being male in today's world? Well, maybe maybe I'll I'll jump in here um, because when I uh, jumped on to to direct this piece and uh, started having conversations with Pippa, uh, the writer about it, um, <clears throat> you know, I wanted to make sure that we were both sort of on the on the same page and sort of seeing the same things. I didn't want to feel like I was uh, maybe uh, pulling threads that weren't necessarily there um, because I think you know there's a lot to there's a lot to think about in today's world with masculinity, not only for it being redefined, but um, for for what's happening with our social isolation. And you know obviously that's a huge theme inside the piece. And I thought that uh, you know, one of the one of the things that immediately came to mind, although I, I don't think you know the character of Daryl uh, exactly fits this, but is sort of sliding down that scale towards uh, you know some of the, the really toxic masculinity that we see out in the world uh, with people like incels, people who feel that they are uh, entitled to to certain things and feel like the world has has uh, you know given them this uh, th this raw deal. Um, because I, I feel like, you know, even in those like really, really repugnant beliefs, uh, the unfortunate thing is that there is that seed of truth that 
you know, many men feel lost. Many men feel like uh, whatever power uh, they felt like they 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 should have is has been taken away, and and it's that hurt and that pain um, that I think is is the alarm that I was sounding in my read through it of being like, yes, this is something that you know you know we need to talk about. We need to be able to 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 assess those those feelings of isolation and those feelings of, of powerlessness. Um, and I, I hope for the listener that, that that is what is being accomplished. I 100% believe that it is, uh, that at least that's the feedback we're getting, that it's quite an immersive and, and overwhelming experience for the listener. Um, but Kayvon, let's, let's, let's turn to you for a second. Uh, could you just kind of talk to us through about your approach to the character and to the script? I mean, this whole conversation around the the effort of uh, removing the patriarchy from, you know, our s- systemic culture, like just just trying to uh, detangle this privilege and then men reacting and also not so much men, but also like white privilege and male privilege being deconstructed and this uh, reaction coming back of feeling powerless, which is uh, not true. It's just something being trying to be made even but it feels like you're losing something but i mean what what i thought was interesting in pippa's piece was watching someone who's teetering on becoming radicalized um and or slipping into the abyss of depression and anxiety so he'd either becoming an outward anger or an internal Mm self-destruction um and i think her her script does a really great job at that because this character you can see um battling between becoming a violent force uh, outwardly or uh, self-destructing, um, and I think the way she, the way I interpret the the script, uh, the, we lose uh, Starman internally, and it's sort of a self-destruction. Um, we just sort of witness that, but that's sort of listening to a voice that could choose to become um, violent, a voice that could choose to become uh, angry at the world and blame the world for their feelings. Um, so that balance was interesting, but. I mean, I, I, I don't I'm not an expert on it. And I, I other than being uh, a guy, we're just a bunch of guys <laughs> talking about it. I mean, I, I, I don't feel I don't personally experience this um, helplessness or this mm-hmm. robbery of our privilege that's going on. But I certainly can empathize with anybody's emotional experience. I, I'm curious, m- mostly if, to hear more from uh, Matt about, um, you know, experiencing clients coming in in this age range are are you witnessing people that you see are teetering on that uh border of becoming radicalized into anger or just self-destruction okay but i like i like the way we put that um and 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 so those are two two ways of coping i I, you know my my thought and i imagine this is where we're going to go with this is what, what are the options to those and and um what what i encourage when i'm sitting with someone is is let's 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 deal with this in, in in way of humility. What what is it we don't understand? Why why is this confusing? And what I really like to focus on is our our notions of the way things should be as a man. Um, let, let's let's honor if we if we have some ways of thinking that don't no longer work. And I don't know if they ever really worked well in the first place. Uh, where do they come from? Um, and and so I, th- I think that's a really big piece, especially if you look at a guy forty three years old. Um, I, you know, if he had a, had a male figure in his life, like how how progressive was he? And then for, for myself, 50, my father, I think he's come a long way from his father, who actually um, was part of being in a, in a war. And so things have just shifted in terms of 
what what it means to to be a man to be a man now it, it seems what what's coming with this is being able to talk about your feelings sit in them sit in uncomfortable feelings and 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 be honest about that um but for yeah i think for the demographic we're thinking of that that's for some folks definitely folks i'm seeing that's that's kind of a new approach and it's kind of a relearning so uh yeah um would you say that the um that men in general uh have a harder time adapting or, or is it a kind of a, a, do we have the tools? We talked about that a little bit in our last episode about tools and being expected to have all the tools um, to, to deal with every situation and every conversation in, a, in the most responsible and proper way and use the proper language. And, and yet we're all just trying to figure it out as we go is, is um, are we a little bit more resistant to change or? I, I, I think so. I, I, I like what K1 said about um, it, it, like there's there's a shift there, there's a shift in the power position, but it's a power position that it's it's not it's not a loss. There, you know, we I think we were we were somewhere we inherited this. You know, being being a male and the privilege that came with it. So the mm-hmm. tools to cope with it, I think, are the tools that um, the rest of the world has been using. Right. So it's it's the, the being able to speak to how you feel and, and not be afraid to, to say things, to say that I don't understand or I'm confused or I'm embarrassed. Um, I, I'm not sure what woke is like, let's, it's okay to say these things and, and, and not have to, to hide from it. Like that, that's my opinion. And that's what I mean. People I talk to, the men I talk to, that's what I encourage them to do. Put your hand up when you, you're not really sure what to do. Say that. If, if you're not sure how to communicate your feelings, say that. If you don't know what the feeling is, like, I, I give a cheat sheet to to men that I work with that has a list of feelings with pictures, and 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 that's new information for for a lot of guys. And I, and I would say for a lot of for a lot of men, it's not their fault for mm-hmm. forty plus because that wasn't right. I don't know that it was modeled for a lot of us. Right. The new the new generation is really uh, very much more open to um, you know just feeling and and you're allowed to cry. You're allowed to do all these things that was kind of raised before, like men don't cry, etc. Um, Victor, was there anything in, in Starman that really kind of related to you? Yeah, well, it was really interesting playing a character that was essentially a mirror of Starman in a way, reflecting him, his view of the world, reflecting what's going on in his psyche, um, reflecting the, the degradation of his mind in a way. Um, falling back and reminiscing about the past and what could have been. And um, I think Kayvon touched on it earlier in the conversation, this idea of the the patriarchy and how I remember somebody quoted once to me this idea that the patriarchy hurts everyone, including men. And I I, I agree with that. We grow up um, as male identifying people that um, are taught that you know we need to provide or we need to um um lead and that can be a burden that is overwhelming at times and i think that the play also touches on the effects of social media and i think that despite the fact that we do live in a world and i think i may be the the youngest person on this panel but this, despite the fact that we live in a world where definitely folks are more freer with their their uh, expression and their emotion 
I still think that there's this pressure to maintain a certain standard of life, um, you know, to have the car, to have the house, to to be able to um, provide funds, <laughs> all of these things, right? And um, just speaking personally for myself, as an actor, it's been it's been an interesting journey learning to live with um, with less <laughs> to, to say yeah, to say yeah. bluntly but uh but with that has come um this ability to adapt with uh making do with with little um and i find myself um feeling contented and um and grateful for what i have but still even even when i feel that gratitude for what i already have social media and what we've been taught makes me feel like I am less than, that I'm not good enough. Um, and I think that kind of parallels with what Starman feels in the in the text. If I can pick up on that a little bit, I, I think that is part of the interesting conversation that's happening right now. Um, you know, as somebody who's who's worked with young people, you definitely see a, a different approach and uh, I mean, certainly picking up on these ideas more than uh, perhaps millennials or people older than that. And I think because the culture is shifting and shifting so quickly, um, one of the difficulties that I think a lot of people have is finding what that good patterning is. Like, wh who are the people that you're that you're modeling after, if not this old idea of what masculinity is? Um, I just recently saw a show that was produced here in Vancouver, uh, hashtag What Now, which is sort of a reaction to uh, the uh, Me Too movement. And uh, it was a performance that was attended. Uh, this performance was specifically put on for all male identifying audience members. And so I think one of the most interesting parts was the, the conversation that the audience had afterwards and just, you know, trying to figure out, you know, how do we pattern what our idea of masculinity is? And I think maybe what a lot of people struggle with is uh, when, you know, they have the idea of like, okay, all these elements of masculinity are toxic and are bad and we need to push away from and, and struggling with what to replace that with, you know, even just ideas of, you know, what is it to be a man? Uh, you know, you have to have sexual conquests. And if you're not getting this from women, then that makes you less of a man. And, and just all these, these, these parts of that, uh, idea of what masculinity is when, when you look at like, you know, all the movies that you grow up with. And being like, okay, if that's not what it is, then what replaces that? And I think that's where a lot of people find themselves lost. And especially if you if you don't have a, an environment in which you can have those those conversations, in which that communication is not available to you, I, I can definitely see that being uh, being a black hole that you can suck yourself into. I think it was interesting, Victor. You said that the, the patriarchy hurts everybody, and and. I mean, without undeniable, patriarchy has given us an incredible <laughs> leverage in society for, you know, however thousand many years. But I think of my grandfather. My grandfather was in World War II. And I think, Matt, you mentioned about having a um, grandfather in the war. And my, uh, as far as we sort of were in told, he was sent home because he had a psychological break. Uh, he he couldn't, it, it broke him. Like emotionally, he couldn't deal with the violence. And it was, he was discharged and it was dishonorable. And, um, but there wasn't a, a vocabulary or a support system for him. And I never met the man, but through my mom, this was a very broken man for the rest of his life, uh, would disappear, binge drinking. And it was the John Wayne 
uh, sort of generation. So he spent the rest of his adult life after the war trying to prove masculinity in his community, trying to defend that because he had an emotional response to violence in the war, he overloaded his like bravado and he'd pick fights at bars and drink heavily and, you know, slept around on my grandma and all this sort of stuff, all in, in some sort of overcompensation of having failed as a man in the war. Um, and so like when you talk about the patriarchy hurting everybody, yeah, we're all have been walking around with this um, version of uh, what we're supposed to be as men, which doesn't align with any of our emotional language or, or map. Like we're all trying to mm -hmm. fulfill a, a fallacy that is hurting ourselves internally. And then when it doesn't work for us internally, we hurt everybody around us externally as we try to make it work. Um, so, yeah, not that I'm defending toxic men and their behavior through time, but it's because of, I don't know what, what point this, this narrative got built that has been hurting everybody. Uh, Victor? I mean, that's the, that is the bewildering question that is so vast in all its answers. It's this combination of nature versus nurture. How much is innately born or how much are we innately born with and how much is taught to us through culture, tradition, religion. Um, you know, you 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 work. Sometimes you teach kids, and you have kids who are just innately violent and aggressive. And they they, they um, I'm I'm teaching some kids right now, and there's this one kid who comes in, and just anything he grabs is a weapon. And I'm just like, how? Where does this come from? Like, is it taught? Is it innate? Is it pure animal instinct? And then there's other kids in the class who are, have no interest in that at all, or other other boys in the class who are much more subdued, um, much more placid and um, amiable. So it's this, uh, it, uh, yeah, it's this kind of mystery. Like what, what, where did these ideas of masculinity and femininity, femininity come from? How much is innate and how much is taught to us through our culture? And that, of course, that changes country to country, region to region. Yeah. What do you think, Alan? Yeah, I, I was going to say that uh, spinning off of that, I mean, I grew up you know, I'm a gay male, and and growing up in the '70s and the '80s, I um, uh, I definitely have <clears throat> struggled my entire life of of really being innately feminine in my in 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 my center, and yet being very confused by the whole social dialogue around that, and being kind of um, not directly told by my family by any stretch of the imagination, but certainly by society that uh, I was you know, uh, certainly lesser or what have you. And then, of course, you develop a pattern of othering yourself to kind of conform or to try and build a, a version of yourself that is deemed um, appropriately masculine or appropriately um, uh, acceptable to society. And then, of course, I've spent most of my adult life dissecting that, trying to figure out what is my actual authentic self and what was developed in these sort of patterns of of um, manipulated masculinity because of social pressures. So uh, I, what I love to see in, in youth and in our next generation is that is like being completely, it's not 100% removed, but it is certainly much more empowered to kind of live in this gray. It's, it's, it's really exciting to see. Uh, I like what you're referencing time, time frames, Elm, because I, I grew up around that time too. And it did seem pretty clear what masculinity was then. I was just on the other side of the John Wayne era. 
Um, and, and now it, it, the men who grew up during that time, it is confusing. So I'm really, I'm really here about the youth. I, I do do some work with youth. I, I got a 13 year old boy and it's interesting, you know, being authentic. Uh, I have two girls. I, I call them, uh, I call them honey or I call them, um, sweetheart. Uh, and I call my, my son, buddy, my love language with my son is we wrestle and we wrestle more than I want to. I'm getting old, but when I see him, he'll, he'll tackle me, he'll push me. He'll, um, and, and I think that's him being authentic. And I think that's something, you know, back to Victor, what you're talking about, I think that that's innate for him and I don't want to stifle it. Sometimes it, sometimes it, 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 um, it, uh, overflows into his engagement with his sisters. <laughs> and so that's where I have to model. There's, there's a difference there unless they want it. And I can tell you, they, they have no interest in that. And, but I've actually told them that that's actually his love language. We, we have to, for, in order for him to, to navigate in society, he's, he's got, he's got to learn when to, to talk that authenticity. And, and maybe, maybe that's, you know, as I talk, listen to you guys, maybe that's, I need to talk to him about that more. Um, he's maybe suppressing something that that's natural. And for him is a form of communicating love. That's not really going to be acceptable in society outside of, uh, outside of our home. I, th- I think that I look back at being an adolescent as well. And I grew up in the prairies of Canada and it was, so it was pretty like, um, guys are guys and all that sort of stuff. Um, but it, it is in addition to, you know, you're talking about innate male behaviors, which might be, you know, you pick up a stick and it's a weapon or you, you're wrestling your love language, but it's also enabling and, and advocating that, um, your feelings are strength. Being aware of your emotions is strength. I really like what you said, Matt, earlier about working with some of your clients. And I don't know is a like that's a good thing to just be able to own. And I think that there's like, because now we can really know that it's like not crying is not strength. Not crying is a problem. Uh, strength is being completely transparent and in ownership of your emotional state. That could be the, that's the most like masculine thing you could probably do is be in connection with your feelings and able to communicate. That's a strong person. So I think we have to go through this sort of redefining of what strength is. We inherited this strength thing that guys were these stoic marble creatures that didn't reveal much and just got through the day. And I was like, those are broken humans. <laughs> Speaking of love languages, I, 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 I let's go back to Daryl here a little bit because um, he's really struggling clearly on what the rules are now about what is acceptable and what is not, and it goes to the like the really cringy um, length of calling Jessica and asking whether or not he can think of her. Um, how do how is how do we now show affection? How do we feel? How do we pursue the people that we're interested in 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 an environment where we feel actually we may be misrepresented or misunderstood or you know what's what's everyone's thoughts on on how to how to now approach that in the new world? Um, I think the first thing is to gauge whether the person you wish to woo wants to be wooed. <laughs> um, yeah. Have to have the perception of that, um, and then I guess. Just be be a nice person. Um. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, was I get the distinct impression, and I said this in this previous episode that that Daryl was canceled in some way, or he was uh, called out for some behavior um, that that then was deemed inappropriate or what have you, and and as instead of coping or kind of standing up to that 
that misinterpretation or, or owning up to maybe not having the answers or may have gone about it wrong, he retreats completely and just says, F you world, I'm, I'm now just going to just remove myself. I'm not necessarily sure about a, a particular coping technique, although I, I think one thing that um, need, we all need to learn and not just, you know, young men, but, you know, people in general is just ways of accepting uh, rejection with grace. Mm-hmm. And I think that is that is one of the one of the harder things. Um and, uh, you know, I, I'm very happy to see in some of the younger people I know the conversation of like, oh, you know, I like this person and they say no to me. And how do I like keep on winning their affection I, to see that conversation going to? Well, no, they've said no. So then you just leave them alone. And uh, mm-hmm. if something, you know, if, if the situation changes in the future, you know, that's an opportunity that maybe you wouldn't get if you just kept on pestering people. And it's definitely a cultural shift because... I think, you know, we've all heard the story of like, oh, you know, so-and-so chased after this woman and kept on asking her and kept on asking her and kept on asking her. And that's how grandma and grandpa met and that kind of thing. And that's, that's, you know, really not, not really how the world works anymore. Um, And I think part of what has led to that is, is being more open to, to listening to the stories that women have of the constant harassment that they have to face in their Mm day-to-day life. Mm -hmm. And being able to listen to that with empathy and realize, yeah, I actually don't want to contribute to that. Uh, There are better approaches than just uh, throwing unwanted attention at as many people as you can until somebody finally reciprocates towards (laughs) you, which I think is a lot of the approach for, you know, pickup artistry and stuff like that. It really is this dehumanizing shotgun approach. um, And, I think that could be largely avoided if uh, people are able to, again, be able to accept rejection uh, with grace and humility. Well, when you talk about, you know, um, being able to approach or have dialogue about intimacy or sexuality or, or, or relationship, I mean, again, I just go back to it, it's building blocks of adolescence and that and very early growing up in uh, 80s, 90s, um, you know, we had sex ed, but it was a biology class. It was not a, a conversation about how to communicate about intimacy. And so that permeates a culture of teenagers who are fumbling around with unspoken cues, and they're both not comfortable having a dialogue on either end about what is a good a place to be and what's not it's it's early on being able to talk about like hey like you should be able to talk about your feelings and say when you're confused and when you don't know and how is it comfortable to look at somebody and go like hey i'm i'm looking for intimacy sexually are you on that same page with me no cool glad we talked about it before i just started grabbing you in the dark um (laughs) it's just a getting it's about getting uh, a redefining strength and and um, power in in vulnerability and transparency. And right now we don't have, have, I still don't think we're there yet and we're not teaching it. We're still very prudish. I do think that there's definitely been a, a marked shift in the, per, in the uh, awareness of consent and the idea of consent um, on any level. And, um, and, and I've heard lots of younger folks talk about consent and, and how more and more children are being raised with this idea. So Matt, in, in listening to the episode and the journey of Daryl, is there anything you would want to dive into as a counselor or 
Um, what what really struck me, one number of things struck me. What struck me this piece where he was talking to Jessica, I believe, and this piece around getting permission to think about her really stood out for me. And and I don't know if that um, Pippon, the writer, if, if that was to just over um, over exaggerate that piece, or maybe I'm, I'm missing it. Just so we need permission not only to to talk in a certain way, but to think in a certain way. I, th I thought that was a pretty interesting piece of, of, uh, of Starman. So I'd be interested in other people's opinions on that. That's what I took from it was he's maybe making a statement. Hey, yeah, I know I can't say things. Can I even think things? Mm -hmm. Well, she said in the previous interview how he's taken these these new rules or these new things just a step too far. What was everyone else's sort of take on on that particular moment? I guess in, in my read of it, I, I saw it as being... Um, yeah, sort of just groping for a way to be able to um, to hold this memory in his head, um, but also, 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 I think you know that, that that scene is about a lot of different things, and mm -hmm. um, you know, just the complete inability to to, to read the room and understand the <laughs> uh, the uncomfortable situation that you're putting somebody in. Uh, yeah, I, I think uh, one thing that that we're definitely clear in seeing with Starman is is his his lack of ability to to read other people, um, which may be a lack of empathy or maybe uh, too much concern with what's going on inside his own head. But uh, I think what makes that scene so powerful is that it is not something that seems alien. It is not something that seems like, oh, I've never seen somebody put themselves in a situation like this before. Um, it's all too real. In, it, looking back on the way we did it in performance, I it's interesting now to hear Pippa's perspective that it's his overcompensation of the new rules. Um, and I, I, I actually could have played that differently now, kind of hearing that perspective, because at the time, I think I saw it as him trying to achieve some form of intimacy still and for her to say yes you can still think about it is connection and it is him being able to achieve some intimacy with her not being like am i allowed to think thoughts anymore versus is it okay are you into me still thinking about it and if she says, yes, I'm still into you thinking about it, it's like, okay, then we still have something going on here. I'm so glad you you chose the direction you did because it really just brought so much vulnerability to to Daryl and you really kind of, you know, it, it was really quite compelling. Yeah, because in the other direction, I hear it a lot in um, some older, uh, us older guys, uh, you know, in conversations being like, you know, you're chatting about something and they kind of have that reaction where they go, uh, well, I don't know, maybe I can't say that anymore. I don't know, you know. And, and so they're sort of like flipping off the new rule while also trying to adhere. Um, and so there, I could see, I could hear Daryl on that call being like, well, is it okay if I even think about it anymore? Like, mm -hmm. versus it being like, can I have permission to still think of you in that beautiful moment. Mm -hmm. Can I have that intimacy still in my life? Mm -hmm. um, but I I, th I hear that other voice a lot right now, which is, well, maybe I can't even think about it anymore. And there's anger underneath of it and frustration. And that, that's where I get scared when I hear those voices. 
Uh, I think we're we've had a great conversation. Is there anything that um, anyone would like to add or th- feel like we haven't really talked about before we wrap up? Uh, just if if anyone is um, um, you know in a in a challenging spot when they hear the 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 audio drama to to um, to know that there are resources out there that they can um, you know find help and and uh, seek assistance life life is this isn't easy and um it's full of full of questions more questions than answers and um hopefully this conversation has has made someone out there feel a little less alone and um hopefully the audio drama helped somebody get inspired in some way so well, and to your point, uh, we do have resources online if you are in need, uh, which you can find by going to our website at soundthealarm.ca, then go to our Theatre for the Ears page, and then within the Starman section, you will find a link to mental health resources, which include numbers you can call, uh, and there's always someone you can talk to. Our next audio drama is being released on December 1st, and it is The Eternal Sailor by Derek Chan. Hope you tune in for that. And if you enjoyed Starman and these accompanied conversations, do help us out with a rating and a review, and do subscribe if you are so willing. Thank you so much. Thank you.